Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 181 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 181 hits for Barry Bonds in 1993. And I'm going to say that it's not obvious, it's not usually termed like this, but that's one of the greatest comebacks in baseball history not bonds necessarily but the idea that the giants are gone you you've already just made your peace with that like okay they're gone to florida see you later giants and then oh by the way they're back and they have barry bonds that (laughs) is just a beautiful comeback story i think i mean is there really the only one i can even think that rivals barry bonds to the giants for the best free agent signing in baseball history is maybe greg maddox to the braves um I don't think anything else even remotely approaches that. I mean, he, the, the whole franchise changed. I remember Dave Vergetti telling me that after the last game of the 92 season, they were out there like scooping up dirt and picking grass and t- taking pieces of the clubhouse because they thought, well, we're never going to be back here again. The team's going to be playing in St. Pete. And, uh, and sure enough, not only are they playing Giants baseball, but they're winning and uh, they've got the best player in the game. Uh, so, yeah, that's a good way to start off the podcast, I think. Yeah, it wasn't just like the Giants, you know, maybe they're going to go. Maybe they're going to go to Vegas. You know, it's not one of those situations. They, they were gone. They were G-O-N-E gone. And so to come back from that with, oh, yeah, by the way, we had the best player in baseball, if not baseball history. <laughs> oh, that's good times. But we're not here to talk about the 1993 Giants and Barry Bonds. We are here to talk about the 2022 Giants, who are the last time I talked with you, it was after the Mets uh, doubleheader, which did not turn out well. And so we were a little bit, you know, uh, muted. We were just sort of like, okay, you know, not a bad start to the season, but things could be going better. Uh, Things have changed since then. The Giants are like back to their nonsense. Just it's nonsense again. I mean, last year they went 17 and two against the Arizona Diamondbacks. And you kind of have to do that if you want to keep pace with the team like, oh, the Dodgers in the NL West. So the fact that they could go play a really bad Washington Nationals team and, and just spank them. I mean, they, they look like they were in different weight classes. That's a really good sign. Um, and uh, even I think we talked about it, that doubleheader uh, loss in New York, you had 10 different relievers uh, throw 10 shutout innings with the exception of the uh, inherited runner in extra inning scoring. And, you know, that played out in Washington. I mean, the, the bullpen was almost perfect. And, you know, they've lost two-fifths of their starting rotation on this trip. And yet they're, you know, they won, what, nine games? Uh, that's, I mean, that's just unfathomable. That's really, really hard to do. And I think it just tells you kind of what we've got to buckle up and, and, and what, what's in store. 
if there's one thing I want to just keep hammering on and keep impressing upon my readers and listeners is that it is not a sign of weakness when a team beats up on the bad teams. It is not like uh, an aha, you know, I pop the hood and, and here's what's really going on. The Giants are just beating up the crummy teams. The best teams always beat the crummy teams. Like it is, you pick a team, big red machine, 27 Yankees. You just pick a team that has a, a, a gaudy win total and you, you will find that they just pummeled the bad teams. And so that is a sign of strength not weakness. For the Giants to go in and do what they did against the Nationals, that is a good sign, not a yeah, but situation. Yeah, and, and look at the Harlem Globetrotters. I mean, they owned the, the Washington Generals, <laughs> and it's a good thing because that's the only team they played. So um, I should correct myself. They had eight wins, not nine on the last trip, uh, but uh, now standing at 12 and five. Of course, the Dodgers right there at 12 and four. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be really fun to see when these two teams match up for the first time uh, with the two-game series uh, beginning of May at Dodger Stadium. Um, and, you know, we thought, hey, that, that's going to be the first series after um, they uh, bump down from 28 players to 26, after they cap pitchers at 13. Uh, I guess we just got the news that they are not going to cap the pitchers uh, at 13 uh, for another few weeks, uh, but the rosters will go down. But first, before they get to the Dodgers, they've got uh, the A's coming up. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be fun. The A's are a little bit scrappy this year. The A's are, uh, I mean, like I felt like I should have prepared a game game for you, like actual uh, member of the A's roster or, you know, uh, someone I just made up, but they have like a lot of rookies. They have a lot of guys that I, I'm not familiar with. Their rotation, you know, is including guys that, uh, you know, I, I've heard of like Frankie Montas and stuff like that, but they're going to be a, a pretty tough team. Did you see who's closing for the A's though? I did. Uh, uh, <laughs> while, um, while uh, out, uh, Trevino is out. It's um, Danny Jimenez, former Giants yes. Rule Five pick. It is. Yeah. It's wild to see guys like Danny Jimenez and Connor Joe was going bananas for the Rockies. And you're starting to see it's not just like the players who are on the Giants who are, who are making you think like this front office. It's smart. It's the players who the Giants let get away because they had to because of roster considerations and just the, the machinations of the 40 man. And they're making the Giants front office look smart. I mean, Jimenez is looking like a, a solid major leaguer for years to come. Yeah, I remember talking to Scott Harris a while back about just, you know, their approach to waivers. And uh, he said, you know, I mean, we obsess over this. We, we are geeks over this. And we even kind of feel really, really good when we're right on a player. But uh, that player has success elsewhere. Um, but it just sort of reinforces, you know, that your processes are good, that your information is good, your, your um, I don't even want to say instincts because that makes it feel like it's a, a art instead of science. Although it is an art as well as a science. And yeah, I mean, Connor Joe, you look back and you think, how much did that just kill Farhan at the time uh, <laughs> to have to cut Connor Joe after like 15 plate appearances? Remember, he's a Rule 5 pick, so they couldn't send him down. And not only that, but they had to trade for a guy who had one of the worst chase rates in the major leagues in Kevin Pillar, who's totally antithetical to what they kind of valued. But it was Bruce Bochy's last season in 2019. Um, you know, they, they had to kind of put a little bit of lipstick on it and, um, and, and make it look at least a little bit uh, fan 
friendly or pretty up the the lineup a little bit with a with a known name. But you look back and you think he knew he knew that was a bad bad sequence of baseball moves. And now you look back, he's never going to have to do that again. I mean, after they won 107 games, after everyone is kind of you know bought into. Um, you know, what's been doing right, uh, what they've been doing right. Um, he's not going to have to bow to any of that pressure, whether it was external, internal, a mix of both. That's that's where, um, in a very short time, uh, where where he and the Giants were to where they are now. And it's really pretty cool to, to kind of think of it that way. Yeah, and we're recording this, and our most recent game was the Luis Gonzalez game, which is yeah. when you can give a, a game, like a player's name. It was probably a pretty cool game. And the reason the Giants have Luis Gonzalez is because they had just that this little window where they had a 40-man roster spot. The White Sox would have loved to keep Gonzalez, but he was hurt. He was going to be out for the year. They needed they needed the roster spot. But the Giants said, no, 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 we'll pay, we'll pay for because uh, when he's on the 40-man roster, he's making more money, more salary. We'll pay that salary. We'll get him fixed up. And hopefully uh, he's around for us next year. And it it's already won them a game. And that is sort of the Giants' philosophy, you know, since Farhan's taken over. You know, I think it would be fun to make like a team of players who um, basically were added to rosters uh, for players who were designated. Um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of thinking like, I don't And also maybe the guys who were traded in minor minor deals. So you've got like T- uh, Tyler Herb is on this team. Um, <laughs> Rukned Odor is on this team because that's the guy the Yankees added to DFA Tyro Estrada. Yes. Um, so I'll have to look up uh, who uh, the White Sox added uh, for Luis Gonzalez. Um, Wasn't there a good one with Jonathan Sanchez? Like, I, I, I want to say Jonathan Sanchez fits in this, right? Either when the Giants designated him or I think it's Hunter Strickland. There's some sort of coordination between Hunter Strickland and Jonathan Sanchez. And I can't remember. Do you remember that? There, there is something there. I, I don't quite remember either. But even even when the White Sox brought up Luis Gonzalez for his debut in 2020, um, when they added him, they designated uh, Luis Basabe. The Giants picked him up too. <laughs> it's, it's, it just, it never ends. And, and and now what you're seeing, because the Giants are last basically in waiver claim priority, because, you know, they went out and annoyingly won 107 games last year. Um, they're they're just making trades. They're, they're, they, they like Corey Abbott. Okay, we're going to give you cash for him. We're just going to you know, circumvent the whole waiver process. And obviously if there are players that other teams like that much more, um, they'd have to, you know, give up players or give up more to get them. But yeah, they're just, they're they're just working an end around the whole thing now, and they're still they're still adding people. They are the "Are you gonna eat that team?" of Major League Baseball. It's <laughs> great, and it works. It works. And uh, just I googled it. I found it March twenty seventh, two thousand thirteen. Official tweet from the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, feed today. The Pirates selected left handed pitcher Jonathan Sanchez in the Major League roster and have designated right handed pitcher Hunter Strickland for assignment. That's just really funny to me. It's funny because yeah. it's 2013, how it worked out, and Hunter Strickland became a part of Giants lore for better and for worse. Oh, man, just good stuff. I love nerding out and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, that that was obviously, that was not Farhan. That was the Bobby Evans administration, the Sabian administration. And I think they probably took a little bit of, of flack over the last um, uh, weekend because of, uh, you know, Lucius Fox. And, and you're reminded of, boy, they spent a lot of money and didn't get a whole lot. Uh, of return there, um, but then you remember that hey, not only did they make that move for Hunter Strickland, but but they found a way to DFA him off the forty man when they needed his spot, and then resign him while he was rehabbing. So they were very very patient and knew they had something special there, uh, a guy who could be a major league contributor. And you know he did. He helped him you know win a ring in, in twenty fourteen. Well, kind of. Um, for I'll accept he, it. He, 
he contributed. He won a ring. So, um, you know, it's it's something that definitely predates Farhan as well. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I don't know about your grand unified theory of baseball, but when I see someone like Lucius Fox, I don't think like, gosh, you know, the Giants missed an opportunity by giving him money and not someone else of that class. I think of... Lucius Fox put them in the penalty box to where they had to sit out a class of international free agents. And when they could get back in, they they had like a little extra resolve. Okay, well, we're going to make this class the best during class we can make it. And that's when they get uh, Luciano, they get Luis Matos. Like that was the class that put them back in the international market. And so I'm just sort of like a butterfly effect guy. Like, yeah, I think Lucius Fox played a part in Marco Luciano in a weird way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's I I, I I know I like when you go down the the butterfly effect thing, but uh, it does sort of remind us how we're all just sort of floating down a river and sometimes don't can just have to enjoy the ride. Don't know where it's going to take us, but I'm still going through by the way and trying to find out who the White Sox added. I'm now obsessed to find out who the White Sox <laughs> added when when they uh, when they um, oh here we go. He was off release waivers because he had the shoulder injury. Got it. Okay, so. Yeah, he was he was uh, on the sixty. He was on. He had to go on the sixty day IL. Uh, so they could have kept him. They yes. could have put him on the sixty day IL. But they would have had to give him major league pay in service yes. time, and they didn't want to do that. So we're not even talking about adding uh, another player. I mean, they let go, let him go because they didn't want to pay him a prorated portion of the major league minimum last year. So that's that, that's what the White Sox gave away. I do think that the Giants offseason was a little uh, confusing at best, you know, when you you expect them to spend all this money on uh, player X or player Y and they didn't. And so it's easy to say, you know, they're cheap. It's a cheap franchise. And that's probably a little too strong because they will do things like they're going to buy Will Wilson, essentially, but they're not going to nickel and dime. If they want Luis Gonzalez, they're not going to say, well, we have to pay the prorated salary for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the season that could add up to you know, a couple hundred thousand. They're not doing that. And maybe that's a low bar, but I don't think so. I think that that's symbol of them saying, oh no, we're going to try and get the best players we can for the 40 man. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about cheap teams as pinching pennies and the Giants are kind of doing the opposite. They're not doing what the Mets did this offseason, but they're spending pennies and they're spending them in, in ways that <laughs> uh, are pretty good bets. You know, um, it's obviously paid off in a lot of ways and it paid off with Gonzalez hitting the big homer in Milwaukee to, you know, win a game <laughs> that Corbin Burns started against them when they threw a bullpen game. I mean, it just reminds me of like last year when they threw a bullpen game and beat Walker Bueller. It's hard to bet against the Giants no matter who they're going to throw. Yeah. And one thing that strikes me about this year's team, it's very similar to last year's team in that it's the collective effort. It, the sum is greater than the parts. You do have one hitter going bananas right now, and that's Jock Peterson. He, you know, he's hitting 362 with six homers. I think he's on a 57 home run or pace or something that that's not quite sustainable, but fun while it lasts. But overall, it's just a, a lot of guys who are doing, you know, pretty, pretty okay. And it is uh, when you go by barrels per plate appearance, the Giants have two players in the top 50. You know, they don't have any in the top 20. And when you go by team, they're right there at the top of the National League. It's the Braves and then right behind them, it's the Giants. So that's just kind of the Giants philosophy. It's, it's they're not going to have Barry Bonds circa 1993 to bring it back. They're going to have just a bunch of guys who kind of one day it's going to be the Estrada game and one game it's going to be the Luis Gonzalez game. And and Jock Peterson, of course, he's been around thumping the whole time, but they're going to have this revolving cast of pretty darn OK guys. And that's the Giants philosophy right now. So I, I like this. I like this stat line here. Uh, here's a hitter. Uh, his batting average is 258. His on-base percentage is 299. His OPS is 702. 
Pretty meh, right? Nothing yeah. really shocking there. That's Tyro Estrada, and he's fourth in the major leagues in runs scored. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of summarizes it. Uh, it's like, well, the Giants offense really isn't doing a whole lot of really super impressive things outside of, you know, Jock Peterson on this last road trip. But they're, they're still scoring runs. You know, they're still um, – I, I have to see what their sort of efficiency is with getting guys on base and scoring them because i got to think that no one's doing it as well as they are. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's a good that's a good rabbit hole to go down because it does seem like you do want to be careful of, uh, you know, is, is it a matter of fortuitous timing? Because that's something that maybe isn't sustainable throughout a full season. But overall, the philosophy of, you know, you have a bundle of sticks, it makes it harder to break in half. It really is applying to the bullpen, too, because you've been writing a lot about the bullpen and just how good they've been, even in the losses. You know, they're given the giant scoreless innings and they have, you know, I think the Dodgers. Dodgers are pretty close, but the Giants have to have one of the better bullpens in the league right now. So going into the final game in Milwaukee, the first 10 games of the road trip, the bullpen had thrown 40 innings and had allowed one home run. Um, And I think like an 080-something ERA. Um, So they go to Milwaukee, and Jake McGee allows a home run. And he's the winning pitcher. That's just the way things are going. Man, that is, I mean, it's... We knew that the bullpen was going, or I was at least, a little bit optimistic, a little bit bullish on the bullpen and their potential. They were running a lot of it back. There weren't a lot of moving parts. It wasn't exactly the core four, but it wasn't not the core four. I think you made some joke about like it being the core seven or something like that. But it's just, it's really allowing the Giants. I mean, we've gotten, let's see, how far into this podcast are we? We are about halfway through the podcast. We haven't brought up that 40% of the rotations on the injured list. And with Anthony Mm -hmm. Desclafon, He's sounds like he's going to miss like a good chunk of time. Alex Cobb's going to be back sooner rather than later. But Escalfani, you know, he's out for a little bit. And it, it like doesn't register because the Giants are able to just do a bullpen game in a way that makes sense. And they're, they're pretty darn good at preventing the runs. It does make sense that they would be starting off the year strong because they have more players. And if you have a, a team with a lot of depth and you give everybody two extra players, the team with more depth is probably going to utilize them better and be stronger as a result. And, you know, we've seen it all across the league, right? I think there's been, what, like four or five games total um, that a starting pitcher has thrown 100 pitches. And I think that's probably by design because every team knows that it was a short ramp up uh, in spring training. Uh, everyone is cognizant of pitcher workload, starting pitcher workload. This is the time when you can kind of, you don't want to sprint out of the blocks. You want to use the, these extra bullpen spots 
um, because they're, you're going to have to go down to 13 uh, pretty soon. So I think everyone's taking advantage of it, and the Giants are really taking advantage of it. Um, and they've, you know, their ninth best reliever is better than a lot of teams' second best reliever. So um, yeah, it it it's sort of it shouldn't be surprising, I guess, that they're starting off the year as as hot as they are because you know, and it, they will have to get uh, um, Cobb healthy. They will have to get Descalfani healthy. You can't lean on uh, the bullpen quite as hard. Um, all year for, you know, the fact it's a long season, one, and two, you won't have as many arms at your disposal without, you know, having to shuttle people back and forth all the time. So, um, you know, they, they will need to get that rotation healthy. But in the meantime, you know, if you do have to have two of, or th- two of the five guys go down, it's probably better that it happens now than in like, you know, July or August. So Eno Saris just published an article today about uh, the home run rate is is going down. Baseballs aren't uh, going as far. And you and I had a very similar reaction to that where uh, I'm thinking of this from the offensive side. Like, okay, well, the Giants are built on a team that, that doesn't hit the ball as far as other teams. You know, they've got the brainy home runs. How does this affect them there? And then you looked at uh, their, their all of a sudden, their, their sudden proclivity. I've never said that word out loud. There's sudden desire to bunt more and they're, you know, they're bunting more and they're taking more advantages of, of what the defense is giving them. And that's how you're looking at it. Maybe like the biggest story of the Farhan era might be how well they prevent home runs, how well the relievers prevent home runs and the starters prevent home runs. And that's a big deal. The home run differential last year is how they won 107 games. And if the ball's not flying as far, does their magic start working better? And is that extra terrifying? Yeah, I, I think you, you hit on it. I'm a total wonk for their home run suppression. I love home run suppression. I think it was absolutely the key to them winning the division last season. Um, I mean, they couldn't have done it without doing everything else too, but it was, I, I always go back to 160. That's my favorite number from last season. 160 is their run differential on home runs, uh, runs scored on home runs versus runs allowed <clears throat> on home runs. And uh, that's a run a game. I mean, you spot a team a run a game and they're going to win, you know, most of the time, a lot of the time. So, um, and they're doing it again. They're, they're right back at the top of the, the league for home run suppression. Uh, so do you know offhand how many home runs the Giants have allowed this year? Just a just guess. Um, hmm, uh, nine, nine, I'll guess nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good guess because that's exactly what it is. It is nine. You you win the big stuffed bear that's going to like tear apart at the seams and leak stuffing all over your house in a little bit. But you get the bear and it's the Giants have allowed nine home runs. Jock Peterson has six and like that kind of stuff like between Brandon Belt and Jock Peterson have combined for more home runs than the Giants have allowed. And it used to be. Sabermetrics had this idea of you can't necessarily control how many home runs you give up, right? That's that's one of the basis. Uh, that's that's the reason that XFIP exists is because you're normalizing it. Well, if this guy allowed you know ten home runs in two hundred innings, that's too low of a rate. So if you adjust it, you get his XFIP, and now you've had it as what it should have been. And I remember there was a big thing when Matt Cain was going well. Oh, his home run rate is unsustainable, and then like the next year it'd come around. Oh, his own home run rate is still unsustainable in the next. Year come around. Like, it just seems like there has the sabermetric shift of okay, you have to allow a certain amount of home runs. That's just not true anymore. Like that is not what anyone believes. It's certainly what the Giants aren't. They don't believe it, and I don't believe it. And it's that's the magic of this current pitching staff of the last couple of years. They just don't allow home runs, and I'm scared that if someone figures out why, it'll all just go poof. Like it's like <laughs> looking down when you're Wiley E. Coyote over the cliff, and it's just it's a magical that it's happening right now. Every team will have 
six Tyler Rogerses in the bullpen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I'm looking at the list of who's given them up. Logan Webb's given up one, and and he had the second lo- longest streak in the major leagues for consecutive innings without allowing a homer before he gave up one in Washington. And then the guy who came in to relieve him was Jose Alvarez. Oh, and look at that. He has the longest streak without giving up a home run. And uh, not not to jinx him, but it's still going, obviously, and it goes back to May of last year. He's at 50-plus innings now without allowing a home run. <laughs> and that's Jose Alvarez. He's not the guy you think of is is coming in the seventh inning he's not your norm charlton right of your charlton dibble and randy randy myers so um yeah i'm looking at who's given them up logan webb's given up one alex wood's given up two anthony di has given up two and you know that he was really compromised he was pushing off on a bad ankle and, and his stuff was really flat as a result um and that probably contributed to that camilo duvall's given up one dominic leon's given up one uh, Jake McGee just gave up one in Milwaukee, and Junior Marte has given up one home run. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, how many teams have had a starter who's given up three home runs in a game? You know, the mm-hmm. Giants don't have anybody on their staff who's given up three. Now, there is one other National League team that's allowed just nine home runs. Do you want to take a wild stab at which team this might be? All right, but if I get it right, I want more than a stuffed bear. <laughs> no, you get the second stuffed bear. Can I get both both uh, showcases? I want the catamaran and the trip to Monaco. What did they used to give? Uh, was it a Dalmatian, a ceramic Dalmatian? That was on Wheel of Fortune. Um, yeah. And that was back in the day when you didn't just get the money. You Then they opened up this magical showroom and you had to spend the money on whatever was there, even if it was all crap you didn't want. <laughs> and if it was the if it was the, the billiard table with a red felt, you absolutely wanted it, especially if you were okay. nine years old like me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you'd have like 200 bucks left and, and the only thing that you could afford is the ceramic Dalmatian. And I always yell, no, no, you can get the service merchandise gift certificate. You don't have to get the Dalmatian. But people always got it. Um, <laughs> I don't want one of those either if I get this right, by the way. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, uh, I'll go with the Dodgers. Yeah, it's the Dodgers, right? Ah. And the Dodgers it's the Giants. Uh, they have a 2.42 ERA. The Dodgers, as a team, have a 2.08 ERA. The Giants have allowed 124 hits in 152 innings. The Dodgers have allowed 95 hits in 142 innings. To which I say, uh, this crap again. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it's crazy. I mean, we're gonna look back on this, and and I. I I, I hope it plays out this way because it's going to be wildly entertaining again. But, uh, I mean, what, when have there been two teams that have been just so evenly matched and do do a lot of the same things uh, in, in such a, you know, be so good at them? I mean, very, very different types of rosters, different usage. You know, Freddie Freeman's not going to be platooned. Uh, Mookie Betts is not going to be platooned. Um, you know, how they get to that production is a little bit different and, and maybe a little less impressive on the surface if you're the Giants. But, when you get down to it, the home run suppression, the walk to strikeout ratio, uh, the depth in the bullpen, um, you know, really good starting pitching at the top. Um, uh, guys who, who walk and have, have a, uh, don't swing it at balls outside of the zone, um, you know, unless, uh, you know, Angel Hernandez is behind the plate, in which case it might be a good idea. Uh, that, that's what these two teams do. They're, they're, mirror, they're very different when you look at the two teams on paper, but they're kind of mirror images with just what they do well. Yeah, and that is one of the bigger surprises. Of, I don't know how surprised I should be, but I am. When Farhan came over and you know, he's got the Dodgers pedigree and you're thinking, you know, well, can you, re- can you get that lightning back on a bobble for a second uh, organization? 
And I think the answer is yeah. Like I think he took a lot of files on the way out, metaphorically speaking. I think there's like, there is a way to prevent home runs better than the average bear. There is a way uh, to get pitchers to stay healthier, to uh, spin the ball better, to build up their fastball. There are a lot of things that work for the Dodgers and have worked and they're doing it. And now the Giants are kind of doing it with a little bit less money. Like they're not signing Freddie Freeman, but they're executing a lot of the same plans in a successful way. And it is fun. And to that end, the number one team, as far as home runs allowed in the National League, as far as allowing too many of them, the Padres. And so you Mm. have a team that is a smart team. They are aggressive. They're trying to spend, but they just don't have that dossier that Farhan took on his way out of Dodger Stadium. There's just something lacking there as far as home run prevention that the Giants and Dodgers seem to have. That's a great observation and definitely something to track as the season goes on. But, um, you know, before I sail away on the new catamaran that you're going to buy me, um, (laughs) I I, I hope that you can touch briefly on um, what you wrote about unwritten rules because I thought it was a fantastic and just really, really... um, thoughtful sort of treatise on the whole subject because you didn't just say, ah, unwritten rules are stupid. You actually empathized with the people who are ticked off and and saw kind of, um, you know, what the emotions are on both sides of it. And uh, I thought it was great. So um, uh, give us a little uh, audio version of that. I appreciate that. And you know what? It's it's funny because when you think of empathy, you don't think of Andy McCullough. Um, But he's the one that that kind of taught me. He showed me like, no, no, no. You get to be pissed off. Like when you're competing and you've got someone who's running backwards and playing an imaginary saxophone after they hit a home run, you get to be mad. Now, whether that should escalate into violence, whether that should escalate into spikes up or hitting someone in the head, that's a different story. But you get to be annoyed. And if you're the Padres and you have Fernando Tatis swinging away on 3-0 and hitting a grand slam with a huge lead, okay, But you get to still be mad. Even if you're that team that employs Tatis, you still get to be mad when someone's button on you with a 10-run lead. Like the two things, it's not mutually exclusive. And so you have to remember that. And when it comes to these unwritten rules, you can't expect baseball lifers to sit there and have a roundtable discussion and hem and haw and like, <clears throat> well, the ethical ramifications of, of throwing a beatball. It's like, no, they're baseball lifers. They're paid to win baseball games. And they came into a game where you do this, you get a baseball thrown at the butt. They're probably going to leave a game where you do this and a baseball gets thrown at the butt. And so you can't like hold them to some lofty standard of really, have you considered what this means? And in that context, Yes, the unwritten rules are stupid, but if you're Gabe Kaplan and the Giants, do you want to like test those other teams and franchises and see if they see the light? Because they are stupid. The unwritten rules are just dippy as heck. I think playing hard benefits everyone, but you're really asking for buy-in from a lot of these people, and I'm not sure you're going to get it. Yeah, and by the way, the Giants are going to play the A's, so can, if someone does get hit in the butt, we know who it needs to be. We know we know, we know, know it's got to be Sean Murphy because it'll go viral. <laughs> oh, um, but I, I love the, the analogy you made. You know, if, if, if someone's talking on their cell phone real loud in a restaurant, you can stare daggers through them, or you can go, <clears throat> you know, or even say something to them, but you don't like, you know, Throw what did you say? Throw throw a salt shaker at their head? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't do that. You know, it's so, just not allowed. Um, you, you get arrested. And I mean, you're not out there competing against them, right? Like who can eat dinner faster or anything like that. There's an extra. There's an <laughs> extra for level. Yourself, pal. Yeah, right. Uh, it's all you can eat, and I'm going to eat all the shrimp. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's that competition element, obviously, as well. But yeah, hopefully, we all grow up a little bit, and and that doesn't uh, that that's out of the game. And 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 maybe in like, oh, let's not kid ourselves. There will always be hockey fights, right? But uh, right. Uh, yeah, it's that that whole uh, escalation thing. You're right. It the best way to combat it is to you know play better. Uh, and, and and I do think I do again. And we've talked about this, and I've said this. I do think there is a line where. Um, sportsmanship does come into play where it can be unsportsmanlike if you're piling on. And I think, you know, it's it's just about respecting your opponent. And what that means, I think, is changing over time. How that's perceived from one side to the other is changing over time. But, you know, I still think it's important to, like you said, uh, keep playing hard, but don't be, you know, running backwards with a saxophone uh, while you're you know, running around the bases because that's, uh, you know, that... I, I don't think that would be respecting your opponent. I think that the Giants' strategy of I don't even know if it was an intentional strategy or if it's just something that came out in post game interviews and they doubled down, but just announcing like, "Hey, we're going to keep doing this." And listen, it's not directed towards you. We're not trying to be a jerk towards you. There is a strategic reason we're doing this. It has nothing to do with specific opponents. Like, is that going to soften the blow for people, for teams, for organizations? Like, is that a reason why uh, uh, Dave Martinez didn't? chuck baseballs at the Giants because he's like, all right, these guys are just buttheads and that's how they're going to play the game. Uh, what am I going to solve by getting in a bean brawl war? Like that's not going to work. I just get to think that they're buttheads. That's their punishment. Yeah. That, and that's the way it's going to be. But I'll tell you what, we just saw it play out. We saw it play out in Milwaukee. And the reason we saw it play out is because the Brewers had a really good week. They also won a lot of games, but they won them all real close. And Josh Hader got like six saves last week. They mm. couldn't use him. They couldn't use Devin Williams, and the Giants scored on their other guys. And we saw them, you know, blow out the Nationals in the ninth, and they sat Jake McGee down. They didn't have to use Camilo Duvall back-to-back. So they entered with all of their bullpen options, really, and the Brewers didn't because the Giants won comfortably, and the Brewers did not uh, leading into that game. And that literally made the difference in that game. So, I mean, you can kind of point to that and be like, Okay, I get it. All right, this has been episode number 181 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, We will be back on Thursday. We'll talk about what in the heck the Giants have done against the A's. That should be a pretty good series. Uh, They're at Oracle Park, which seems weird. That that seems like something, uh, maybe someone made a mistake. They're actually playing in San Francisco. I (laughs) I don't know. All right, but we will be back. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then.